she set me up uh, like when we started dating she would say what'd you write today and I got a bunch of different stuff and she's like do you have a deadline I'm like I think so let me look you know so she bought me a dry erase board she made me excel spreadsheets I keep track of my daily counts every day I keep track of where my contracts are how many words I need on certain things all that stuff so it's been great but then looking back I'm like, wow, a lot of my stuff slipped through the cracks. Welcome to The Author Biz, the show that's all about the business of being an author. I'm your host, Stephen Campbell, and this is episode number 45. Wherever you are, however you listen, thanks for spending some of your time with me today. Do you ever feel like things are getting away from you? You know that feeling where you think, wow, if I were just a little bit better organized, I'd get more stuff done, my daily word count would just take off, and I'd hit all of my deadlines. Well, today's guest is one of those highly creative writers. And as you'll hear in the interview, for the first few years of his writing career, he didn't let things like organization and structure to his work habits get in the way of doing the work he wanted to do when and where he wanted to do it. Then he met his girlfriend, who became his fiancée and is now his wife. She got him focused and organized, and as you'll hear in the interview, it's made all the difference in the author business of hybrid horror author Armand Rosamilia. In this interview, we'll be talking about getting organized while writing as many as 12 projects at one time, how Armand built the team that supports his unique and specific writing habits, hitting multiple deadlines, and learning from your mistakes. Before we get started, a quick follow-up on last week's episode with Tom Evans, where we talked about author podcasting. For those of you who emailed me with questions, and the email address is authorbiz at gmail.com, thank you. I've replied to all those emails, but I'm also using the questions to help me fine-tune what I'll be covering in the AuthorBiz on-ramp. If you are interested in setting up a podcast as an author, whether you're a do-it-yourselfer or you want some help, the on-ramp can help you with things like show formats, selecting equipment, finding royalty-free music, and all the nitty-gritty details of getting your podcast set up. You can learn more information and sign up for the email list I've set up just for this project at theauthorbiz.com slash onramp. One final note about podcasting for authors. As you'll hear in the interview, my guest is a pretty darn good podcaster himself, and I will link to his podcast in the show notes. Now, let's get it going and get into the business of Armand Rosamilia. Armand, welcome. Thanks for having me. I have been following you and your work on social media for some time. You are an incredibly prolific guy. Um, You're out there everywhere. You're helping other people. You're doing a lot of things. You're writing a lot. And it's a real treat for me to have the opportunity to ask you some questions today. Perfect. Ask away. I I do enjoy talking about myself. (laughs) All right, first question. Can you tell me what's one thing that you do that you feel has been the biggest contributor to your success so far with your author business? Uh, Definitely, it's uh, what I call the karma factor, and that is I spend more time helping other authors get their books out and their names out uh, and helping them with their branding and asking me questions and everything else. 
Um, that to me is the most important thing. There's tons of guys uh, and girls on MySpace. Or MySpace, wow. <laughs> wow We're showing just, our age a little bit. <laughs> that I just really date myself or, or, or what? Uh, while I'm watching Happy Days, um, <laughs> there's so many people on Facebook that are just posting constantly, buy my book, buy my book. And it drives me nuts. And I used to do it. And you don't sell books, especially when you go into a group with there's just all, all other writers and we're all poor and we're not going to buy each other's <laughs> books kind of thing. And I really got away from that. And I just, you know, started helping others. And, I, and on my website, most of it is guest blogs now. Most of it is guest posts from other authors. And uh, anytime an, uh, a writer comes to me and says, hey, can I post this or that? I mean, as long as it fits and it's good, uh, I will help you out. There's a uh, a big community, especially horror authors, and we all tend to help each other out, and we weed out the mm-hmm. uh, the annoying and the bad pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's really for me. That's that's what it's been. I sell more books doing a guest post from another author or sharing their posts than I ever did from here's my next book, go and buy it, and then putting it on thirty seven groups. That you mentioned that you used to do this yourself, and then you changed. Why did you change? What was was there like a tipping point? You just realized this just is absolutely not working, and I need to come need to have a better way. I just, I just, it was like a, a, a being a hypocrite of going, oh my god, here's the so and so posting <laughs> literally on forty nine groups again, mm-hmm. or a jerk, and then two hours later, I'm like, oh, my sales have slipped for the last hour on Amazon because I used to check it. <laughs> you know, every 12 minutes. So let me post my new book or let me post a random book or something 400 times. And I'm like, well, wait a minute, I'm doing the same thing they're doing. And um, <clears throat> right before, I'm going to think right about um, Halloween of last year is when I really, uh, I dropped out of probably 90% of the groups I was in because I was sick of seeing it. And I was also sick of doing it. And uh, I've always tried to help other authors and stuff, but I really made a conscious effort. I'll post on my page every once in a while, and I'll post on my fan page every once in a while. But I'm not going to post in a ton of groups, and I'm not going to post on other authors' pages. And it's helped because I'm still out there all over the place on Facebook, but it's other authors sharing my stuff or sharing my blog posts. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and there's and there's a big difference between me just going here, buy my book, or a guy that has a a great built-in audience that posts one of my things, and their audience goes, who is this guy? Let me check out his book. Yeah, great point, as opposed to your audience seeing you post the same thing again, and uh, they've all seen it before. You mentioned something that was sort of important. Uh, The the idea of a a few years ago, checking your Amazon stats all the time. There are all these vanity metrics. Uh, Amazon stats are not really vanity metrics, but there are all kinds of vanity metrics that we can get caught up in, as opposed to... what you're doing now, which is helping other authors, are focused, uh, focusing in more outwardly than inwardly on on what's happening. Are there other things like that that you used to do that you don't do anymore? I have. I I never check my reviews. I don't read a review um, because if it's a good review, if it was a five star review, for me that one line in there somewhere. That this could have been better, or I, I, that would drive me nuts. 
And a one-star review, I'd, I'd be in the corner in the fetal position for hours. I mean, uh, it, it drove me crazy. And then I just said, you know what? <clears throat> it doesn't really, for me, it doesn't help. I write so much, and <clears throat> I write, you know, my thing is I write a, a, a clean first draft. So then I do an edit on it. Then I have five or six beta readers. Then I have an editor, and sometimes I'll have a second editor that looks at it. That book is the best I'm going to make it for right then, and it, and it goes out there. And I have books that are, you know, five and six years old stories that I would probably cringe if I read them again because I've grown so much mm-hmm. writing, you know, probably three million words in the last six years or so. And uh, so I just said, you know what, it is what it is, and if you if you don't like it, you know, there's nothing I can do about it. I can't rewrite every story in every book. Um, this week I was listening to, uh, Brian Keene's podcast and, and he was talking about awards and stuff. And he said, I'm not a literary writer and I don't aspire to be. He's like, I'm a pulp fiction writer. Mm -hmm. I just want to tell a fun story. And I thought, you know what? That perfectly summarizes, you know, you, you see those, the authors of the past and they would take them two weeks to, to find that perfect sentence. And they'd. You know, and I'm like, that would drive me nuts. Yes, and obviously there are still people that do that, and, and God bless them. They're writing for a completely different audience. Right. And they're, they're not writing for me as an audience because I don't appreciate that. I, I don't really appreciate the, the fabulous turn of the phrase every so often. Something will jump out. But for the most part, we readers, we just want a good story. And, and that's my thing. You know what? I want to read a fun mindless zombie story. I don't want to read your version of The Great Gatsby, (laughs) you know? (laughs) All right. You mentioned a couple of editors. You've been doing this for a while. Um, You obviously have a team of people that can help you produce this work that you're producing. I looked on Amazon, and I had to go to the second page of your Amazon author page to get to things from 2014 after sorting by year. So I think that that means 13 or 14 this year so far that you've either published or been a part of. So uh, describe your team, if you will. Well, I do a lot of, uh, I obviously do a lot of self-publishing, but I also work with um, some great small press publishers. And I have a lot of things. I have a a couple of books out there with some bigger ones now and um, some stuff that I I can't bring up. Uh, There's a couple of agents involved. There's a lot of really cool stuff going on over the next six months or so. Mm -hmm. I'm always busy. I'm always putting it out, and I don't ever want to put all my eggs in one basket. But for me, uh, for the self-published stuff, especially like for my Dying Day series, uh, I'm very lucky because I've been writing full-time for about five years now, and um, I had always written. So I had a ton of old stories that I was able to uh, pull out of the trunk and rewrite or or go back to some of those ideas and write a new story or a new novella or book or whatever. And um, I mean, the last couple of years I've put out about, I think I've averaged about 45 releases a year. Um, <laughs> that's including anthologies I've been in mm-hmm. and short stories and everything else. And <clears throat> for, for me, what I learned from the beginning is the most important thing is to have an editor especially as a self-publisher, an editor that you can work with and understands you and uh, is an editor. I mean, gets gets in your face. Um, I've been using a woman for the past few years, Jenny Adams, who is my editor, 
and I've recommended her to a bunch of other authors, and they've had great experiences with her. And she's great because she understands that my where my voice is in all these stories now. But she still calls me on stuff. I mean, her her favorite thing she says, um, she says I can make a drinking game out of every time you use the you use the word that in your story. I, I'd probably go about four chapters in your first draft, and I'd be drunk. <laughs> because you just it's one of those words you just use constantly, you mm-hmm. know, and uh, it's great because she'll point out, hey, you, you it'll be a, a brand new word every story that I, I'm in love with for some reason. I just she's like, you use seriously 37 times, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I'm like, I have no idea. And, um, and but to me, that's important to have that rapport with an editor. And uh, on most of my books, on all the on all the dying days books, but on a lot of my other books, um I use a cover artist, Ash Arsenault, uh, who's also uh, author A.D. Rowland. And it's, it's another one of those where we work well together. I can, say, I can give her an idea. I could call her on the phone and say, here's my idea. And she'll come up with three or four different ideas. And it's usually that first or maybe second idea, and that's, that's the book cover. I mean, or she'll come to me, which she did on, um, I think it was Dying Days 4. Mm-hmm. She said, here, I did this picture. And I think it would fit in with the Dying Days series. And I was like, I was in, right in the middle of writing the book. I hadn't even told her yet. And I said, perfect. And I actually wrote the creature in the the zombie that she did on the cover. I actually wrote it into the story, at, like right then, because I needed something. So I was like, perfect. You know, let's um, let's do this. So it works. The fun part for me is she's um, she's also in Florida. And uh, and what's funny is my editor lives in near Daytona Beach. Mm-hmm. So uh, it just happens. I, I can actually, you know, go and hang out with them and, and meet them and and uh, and pitch stuff and do things together. So it's just real important to have that base of people. And I also have probably about a dozen beta readers, which I will switch in and out. And um, I know like certain ones like uh, there, there's one that I use and he is very he's ex-military. So he will call me, and I'm not military. He will call me on my weapon choices, or stop calling that a bullet. You know, mm-hmm. you know, uh, different things like that. And then I have other ones that are uh, sticklers for you know every word. I mean, to the point where I'm like, enough. I'm not again. I'm not writing the Great Gatsby, but mm-hmm. um, you know, some of my word choices are are, are uh, could be improved, and they help me with that. So there's all different. There's all different things there, and um, and once it gets to the editor. I mean, she's really just reading the book and finding the mistakes that five or six other people and myself didn't find. Mm-hmm. And she's asking questions. You know, what uh, what do we need to change with this? Do, do you think this is, uh, you know, uh, is this a good choice? She knows now to say, is this is this a, a little tease you put or an Easter egg you put for a future book or something? Because uh, I love to do that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and sometimes she'll do that and I'll say... No, but you just gave me an idea for the next book, <laughs> for an idea for that character, so thanks. All right, the the newest book you have coming out is a Dying Days book that's coming out in mid-June, and that is Dying Days 5. Let's walk yeah. through the process for that, from uh, the point where you start writing uh, to the point where it comes out on June 16th. What's the time frame, and when do people get involved? What's funny is every year I do, in June, I do... Uh, the Summer of Zombie Block Tour. Mm-hmm. And it's me and it's grown now. It's 35 
zombie authors. And again, like, like I said in the beginning, it's a way for me to promote everyone else. And so every year I decide, okay, I'm going to put out a book. All the Dying Days books have come out in June. Okay, coincidentally, huh? <laughs> coincidentally, right. And I always swear, okay, I'm going to put out two books. I definitely don't want to do this as a yearly book. I want to do like two a year, and I never get around to it with all the other stuff. So last year in June, I decided I'm to start writing it, which I wrote some of it, and then I got, um, which is great, I got contract work. So I worked on um, four different uh, movie adaptation books, which pays really well, pays up front, but the, the timelines are crazy, like 40,000 words in three weeks, uh-huh. uh, you're done. So I got sidelined with a lot of other things that, that were paying the bills. And, of course, then when I went back to it, it was beginning of the year. It was probably uh, January 1st where I sat down and said, okay, I'm about 5,000 words into a 50,000-word story, <laughs> so I, I guess I better start writing again. And uh, I write 2,000 words a day is always my goal. I write on about 12 different projects. But I put that one as a priority, and I basically just wrote about 1,500 words a day and knocked it off. By the time we got into February, it was the first draft was done. Okay. And that's when I, I start getting the feelers out. Okay, who's around? Who can read this? Um, who can give me some, uh, some ideas? And that's, so that's the beta readers. And right, and that's when I get to the that's when I get to the the beta reader. What I like to do is I, I write the first draft, mm-hmm. which again is usually a clean draft. I don't touch it. Uh, I don't go back and edit. I don't edit as I write. Nothing. I just I wow put it off to the side and I say here you and you read this. Tell me what your initial reaction is, mm-hmm. and if there's any major spelling uh, things that you see, just mark them and and that's it. And then I go on to another project. And about three, four weeks later, those couple of people came back to me and said, well, here's the problems. There really wasn't a lot of um, character or plot problems in it. It was just like, uh, you know, wording and things like that. You know, I I miss miss a lot of commas and things. So I went back and I rewrote. Now, as I go back and not just go to pages and do it, but I also start reading it myself and tweaking it. And then I do my second run over like three or four days. I just beat on that. And that's when it goes to three or four other beta readers who now will read that version of it. <clears throat> you know, and then, it, and then after that comes back, then I'll read through it again and I'll, I'll make all the notes. And I don't always use everything. And that's it. And I give it to the, I give it to the editor. In fact, just got the edits back. And um, the next day or two, I will go through it now. I go through mm-hmm. it one more time. I read it again myself. And then it will go up, and uh, everything is you know ready in place, and then that'll be it. My uh, the worst critic of these um, is my wife. She doesn't read everything I write, but she loves reading the dying day stuff and some of the uh, contemporary mm-hmm. fiction, like the beach read stuff. And she is brutal because she she knows. <clears throat> I'll talk it. I talk constantly about where the story is and everything, and she's always telling me, "Don't tell me, don't tell me." And then I'll go, I'll go through, and she's like, "Really?" I so that's interesting. That. She's not a first reader; <laughs> you know? she's almost the last reader before it goes out. Yeah, she she is the um, she is uh, one of the last readers of it. She will print it up, and before I give it to the editor, she likes to do it. She doesn't read on the computer. Right. She hates that because she does it all day at work. 
And she'll print them up and then she'll read them just so sit here at night with her red pen and I'll sit on the other chair. And uh, we got married about a month ago and we were on the cruise and she actually brought Dying Days 5 with her um, <clears throat> for the cruise. And everybody else had finished it and was done. And her just sitting there with that red pen and every time she <laughs> uncapped it, I was like, what, what, what are you doing? And she's like, shut up and go back to your book. Go, go on the other side of the ship. You know, leave mm-hmm. me alone. And she found a few things and she had some questions. And it really actually helped the story because she knows, you know, she knows in my in my mind, because she's read so much of my stuff over the last couple of years. She knows she's like, I know what you're trying to mm-hmm. say, but you're not saying it, you know. Right. Let me ask you a quick question about this contract work that you're doing, because that's obviously the idea of finding this kind of contract work, which in your case was movie adaptation books that pay the bills. That's the kind of thing that's appealing to a lot of people. How did you wind up getting this work? Did they come to you? Yeah, it was completely by uh, completely by accident. I had just started writing full-time. I had been um, laid off from my job, and I was looking for another job. I I did retail management Mm -hmm. for 20 years and hated every day of it. And while I was looking for another job, I started writing and putting it out there, and I just happened to get in with the ebook boom. So I was putting a bunch of stuff. I was doing tons of short stories and dying days. I think the first dying days had just just come out. A company, Hobbs End Publishing, out of uh, Texas, basically saw that I was doing all this stuff, and they had gotten a deal with a Hollywood company to write a bunch of books that would eventually be made into movies. And they came to me and said, we love your writing, and obviously you write a lot, so would you be interested in doing what became um, Miami Spy Games, um, Russian Zombie Killer was the name of the uh, the series, and it was written, I wrote it in 12 parts as if it was 12 uh, TV episodes. Uh-huh. And uh, they bundled up as like 100,000 words when it was all done, and they paid me really well for it. And it actually never got sold, but it gave me an in right with the the Hollywood company, which is who I still work for on and off. And I've done about a dozen books for them over the last, like, say, three years or so. And... Uh, some of them, some of them are have been. Um, it's cool because some of them, like the one I'm working on now, the movie's filmed, the movie's shot. Oh, and here's the here's the movie. So they send me the the movie itself, and they send me the screenplay, and they say we want it closer to the screenplay, and basically here's a chunk of money up front and write it. And then there's times where they say we want you to write the book first, and then we're going to write a screenplay off of your book, um, or. They were right in the middle of filming another one, a thriller, and they were sending me the dailies, literally daily, and saying, here's a scene, but this is probably halfway through the movie. And I had to write these scenes and figure out where they all went together, which was um, really a challenge. Sounds like fun, though. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's, I mean, it's somebody else's idea. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I really, I'm a pantser. I don't really work with an outline, mm-hmm. but when I get this stuff, especially a screenplay, I just start breaking it down uh, into chapters, and then I'll basically just go in wherever I want and flesh it out and uh, and do it. And that's what I'm doing right now. And some of the movies, I think three or four of them should be out by the end of the year. Um, they got a Netflix deal. Mm-hmm. So most of these are going. And one of the books, Zulu 6, Origins is the name of the book that I wrote, and it's basically Navy SEALs versus zombies. And uh, that comes out, I believe, in October. 
is when the release will be on that. And I'm writing one now, uh, Texas Zombie Wars, and they have a comic book coming out as well as the movie, I think, <laughs> in a month or two. So, You know, you, you mentioned that it was just sort of a lucky break that you wound up with this deal, but the, the old saying that luck is a residue of hard work, you were putting out a lot of books at the time and publishing a, a lot of things, and, and they found you because yeah. of that. So, yeah, lucky, but lucky because you're working so hard. <laughs> right, yeah. Okay, one last thing in, in business, and then we'll move, we'll move off that for a little bit. Um, you have – some of your work has audiobooks. Some of it doesn't. Some of your books are in paper. Some of them aren't. Uh, how do you decide what, get, what's, what gets what treatment? Well, the, I think the problem with that is I am very creative – and very disorganized. So a lot of my older stuff uh, was only released as an ebook or only released in print because I was doing a book signing or something. Mm -hmm. And it was all over the place. And only in the last couple of years since I started dating Shelly and we just got married, she is a commercial property manager. So she set me up, uh, like when we started dating, she would say, what'd you write today? And I got a bunch of different stuff. And she's like, do you have a deadline? I'm like, I think so. <laughs> Let me look, you know? So mm -hmm. she bought me a dry erase board. She made me Excel spreadsheets. I keep track of my daily counts every day. I keep track of uh, where my contracts are, how many words I need on certain things, all that stuff. So it's been great. But then looking back, I'm like, wow, a lot of my stuff slipped through the cracks. Um, some of them, I mean, honestly, a couple of things I don't even have. I don't even know where the file is anymore <laughs> for a couple mm -hmm. of those books. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, you know, that was the challenge for me. So I try to, as anything new comes out, I try to make sure it's obviously in ebook and print. Mm -hmm. And then depending on what it is, I'll go to uh, audiobook. And I've been very lucky with some of uh, the regular, the main Dying Day series, there's a, uh, a woman, Amanda Lehman, who does all the um, narration for that. And then all of my other Dying Days books that are kind of off to the side and not in the main ones, Jack Wallen uh, narrates those. And then I do a, a series called Flagger Beach Fiction Series, which is like mm -hmm. Beach Reads, completely mm -hmm. different from anything else. And uh, Jack DeGolia, uh, great narrator, and he does all those books for me. And then, you know, there's other ones that are like one-offs that I'll throw in, like my um, uh, Skulls and Bones short story collection. But then there's also a bunch of them that are currently uh, published by small press publishers. So, like, my book Chelsea Avenue is with Ragnarok Publications. So, you know, it, it, it's up to them if they want to put out an audiobook for it, more or less. Now, I, I wanted to move next into productivity, but you sort of transferred into it a little bit with this work that, that your wife is doing for you to help you get organized. And I, I think that's fascinating. You mentioned you, you sometimes will be working on 12 things at a time. And in my own mind, I'm thinking, how in heaven's name do you keep track of this, especially if you're not a well-organized person? How important is it to you to keep track of all this stuff now? And, and, and how much more productive has it made you? Well, I think the problem is, you know, looking back, uh, and you know, when I first started doing this, I have no idea if I, looking back, did I write a thousand words for the year or five million? I don't know. Mm -hmm. I just wrote whatever I felt like and when I felt like it. And of course, back then it was simpler because I had no contracts, I had no deadlines, I had no publishers. I would just kind of throw in whatever ah, I feel like writing a, a Cthulhu story. I'll write it and uh, put it up on Amazon. You know, I mean, um, so now. 
you know, where I'm, I'm to the point I'm a full-time writer and paying the bills and, and, you know, need money for conventions and book signings and all these different things. Um, and getting a lot of invites to great anthologies too, that, that, mm-hmm. that pay pro rates too. But I mean, you, you get to that, that level where people are coming to you, which is awesome. And I have to look at it and go, okay, does this really fit in with where I need to be? For instance, right now I have about what, five days till the end of the month. And I have about uh, 5,000 words I need to write on a project I'm running with another author that a, um, as the first book in a trilogy we're finishing, and an agent already wants it, and he's got some bites on it. On top of that, I have about 30,000 words due by June 9th for one of these mo- um, the movie books. And then on top of that, I got like five other projects that are due by the end of June. So I'm writing like, you know, if I write like 3,500 words a day, I can catch up on all this stuff. So for me, it's very important to, to dry erase board, to write everything down and say, okay, where's, you know, where do these line up that I have to write a thousand on this today, 500 on this today, 200, whatever. And, um, but it really helps me because every time I circle another number that I've completed, I'm like, okay, one more step closer to where I need to be. How do you transition? And this is we're, this is completely off the topic here. I'm just curious. How do you transition as you're going through the day from a horror to a beach read to a movie treatment? I um, I take short little breaks. I write until I don't feel like I can add to that story. Um, I try not to force it. You know, it, when I'm in the zone, I can do 1,100, 1,200 words for that hour like it's nothing. And then when I'm stuck on one, I'm like, oh, this is taking forever, and I could do 100 words for that hour. I don't mm-hmm. like to be stuck on it. I just do other things. I find, like, middle of the day, I will get up, and, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm overweight, so I, I'm constantly trying to get motivated to get out of the chair anyway. So I try to write, like, half an hour, 45 minutes, and then I get up, and I'll go do laundry, or I'll... Uh, just go read or I'll go watch, you know, the MLB network for a while. Uh, A lot of times I'll go take a shower in the middle of the day. And that's when some ideas will, I'll think of this, of another story. And that's when ideas will come. Like I did that this morning. I got up and I, about 12 o'clock, I said, I'm going to go take a shower. And I thought of an idea for one of the books, got out of the shower, sat down and I wrote like 1500 words in like a half an hour. It just, for me, it's just the motivation of keeping it going. And um, like uh, somebody once asked me, they said, what's your motivation that you write so much every day? And I said, it's fear. I said, it's fear that this is going to dry up and I'm going to have to go back into retail. I mean, that's that, fear yeah, <laughs> going that's, back into retail. Yeah. That's, that's the God's honest truth. I don't want mm-hmm. to, um, I don't want to do that. Like I said, she's a commercial property manager. She does quite well. I mean, she doesn't need me, which, you know, which is nice. Mm-hmm. So, our bills are paid. Everything's paid. And a lot of my money is the extras. And we were able to pay for our, our wedding and we were able to pay for the honeymoon. And I do four or five conventions every year and we travel all over. And, um, and it's great. It's, it's that security of that. But her thing is when I start coming home and you're sitting in front of the TV watching cartoons all day and I look in and say, How, what did you write today? And you say, oh, nothing. That's when you're going to go out and get a job. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I say, exactly. And I said, and that's what motivates me to continue to write every day. All right. You've been doing this for a while. And in the beginning, you probably weren't making any money or you, you weren't making very much money. No. And <laughs> now you're 
you're making money. I, I, I'm not going to ask you how much, but you're, you're obviously doing okay. You're doing this full time. What's changed for you in terms of what you do yourself and what you're willing to ask for help for now? Well, I still like to do a lot. I, I, again, I got lucky because I got in right when the ebook stuff really started and took off. And I had some great help. Um, J.A. Conrath. I mean, mm-hmm. his blog was, I mean, I read it every day. He used to post every day something, and I would really take to heart what he wrote. Um, author Scott Nicholson was a great help. I mean, he had been uh, traditionally published, and then he had started doing some dabbling in some uh, small press and different things, and he was a lot of help. And I asked a ton of questions, and I read a ton of blogs, and I learned, okay, I learned how to do book covers, and I realized I'm horrible at this. I learned how to do formatting, and I found out I'm pretty good at this. So I tried to do everything and then be realistic and say, I can do these parts, but I need help on these parts. I can't Mm self-edit because I'm going to miss half the the things that are wrong with it. So I need an editor. Um, I need other people to rip my stuff apart because I'd rather a beta reader comes to me and says, this story is horrible. Rather than it gets published, and people who spent money on it say this book is horrible. Right. So I'm I'm very aware of that. And again, for me, the the fun now is um, I used to just write whatever I wanted, and then that was it. And you hope it works. And then I got like the business sense of what's what's not working here. Let's not keep writing stuff that isn't making me any money, and I'm just pushing it out. I mean, that doesn't make any sense to me. Um, and then, you know, contracts and invite only anthology and stuff like mm-hmm. that is that is that level. And for any 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 author, any of us, it's it's the ego. You know, it's the people love my stuff. People are reading my stuff. And then I go to like I just went to the World Horror Convention and then you go to the uh, the Bram Stoker Awards and you look around that room and I'm like, wow, I am so not supposed to be in this room with these guys. You know, <laughs> I mean, this is just these are like the powerhouses of the horror genre, and mm-hmm. I'm not in their league yet. And so I went home with, I need to up my game. I need to kick ass. I need to to uh, put out better books and, and everything else. It was really motivating because, you know, I, I'm the first to admit, I got an ego. I, I'm, I'm like, hey, I'm selling books, and people are sending me emails, and, and I, I'm making money, and my Amazon money is great, and I'm doing, you know, um, Dying Days 5 is on pre-sale. And it's it's I'm amazed at how many pre-sales I have on it so far. And uh and it's just like, you know, when I do stuff that I do well, like I took Dying uh Darling Bobbage Zombie Killer, which is like the prequel to Dying Days, mm-hmm. and it's been out for three years, four years now. I made it perma-free about a month ago. And you know, I was getting thousands of of downloads on it. But then the series started really – I mean, I think I tripled it this, this month so okay, far. Okay, so it's that obvious. You, you made the decision to go perma-free with a, a, a prequel, and it's that obvious that you're seeing the immediate benefit from, from it. From, from literally from day one, it, it went up live at like 11 o'clock at night one night, and um, the next day I was like – I've almost doubled the, 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 uh, the sales on Dying Days. And that was on Dying Days and Dying Days 2. Now it's at the we're at the end of the month, and now I'm seeing Dime Days three and four no, uh-huh. are, are rising up. So I'm like, mm-hmm. for me, people are reading the whole series; they're buying the whole series, which is awesome for me. 
Now, as someone who's who reads all the blogs and is, is as connected as you are, why did it take you so long to make the decision to do one of these as a perma-free? Ego. It was it was the ego of I'm I'm why am I giving a book away free? Because I'm mm-hmm. I'm selling, I'm doing well with it. And um, what's funny is uh, there's author Mark Tufo who does mm-hmm. the zombie fallout series. And uh, Mark and I are, are very close, and we both got in around the same time. And um, I've, I've uh, really watched him grow. I mean, it's funny because I came in before him, and he just shot right past me. And we always kind of joke about that. And he's like, you're like my mentor. And I'm like, dude, you're my mentor now because <laughs> of all the stuff you've done. Mm-hmm. But he had his first zombie fallout on, um, you know, a perma-free. And what's funny is... Like me, you know, I'd be the first to say Shelly is the brains behind this operation. His wife, Tracy, is the brains of that operation. And she put it, she put the first zombie fall uh, uh, at Perma Free, and she said the same thing. It just took off, and she wanted to kick herself for not doing it sooner. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to steal that idea, and I'm going to do it. And I, and I didn't think anything of it. And it's just like, I, again, I wish I had done this six months ago. So is this the thing, if you look back over the last few years, is this the thing that you're kicking yourself for that you didn't do sooner? Because some, for some people, it's, I wish I'd started my email list sooner, or I wish I hadn't done this. Is, is this the thing for you? Well, I mean, I, I guess it's the most obvious. I've made a ton of mistakes. I've learned from most of them, I'd like to think. Uh, like I said, I've done my own book covers in the past, which are horrible. Um, I, I did bad jobs with the formatting of certain books back in the beginning. I've um, wasted so much time posting uh, my books all over Facebook mm-hmm. and everywhere else and uh, doing all that stuff. I've, uh, you know, not gone. I, I went through years where I didn't go to conventions because that was just a money waste for me and um, and all that. So I, I, if I could take it back, I, I wish I had learned everything better in the beginning before I started putting stuff out. I wish I had um, started helping other authors a lot sooner, and I wish I had really started to get serious about this as a career, going to the conventions, doing the book signings and the other stuff, and just meeting people. I mean, that's to me, that's the fun. And the flip side of what you what you've just described is that you're doing it and you're learning by doing it. There are a, there's a certain group of people that. Uh, don't want to make a mistake, and they're terrified of making a mistake. Right. And as you've just described, it's really easy to, okay, I screwed that up. I'm going to do it differently next time. Yeah. I mean, I could go back 10 years um, when putting your own stuff out, that was a horrible thing to do when it was Mm -hmm. vanity publishing and everything else. Back in 2004, 2005, I actually had a company, um, and I did uh, fantasy. I used to write a lot of fantasy books, a lot of fantasy stories, and I published some of those. And I also published other authors' short stories set in this world. And uh, I totally, totally did everything you could possibly do wrong. I owed people hundreds of dollars. I sunk uh, probably about twenty thousand dollars into it mm-hmm. over a couple of years that I, I you know, I, I just totally lost. Um, I did basically I did everything <laughs> wrong that you can do and pissed off a ton of people <laughs> that some of them are still mad at me 10 years later. And but I learned from that. And I just I mean, I think that was for me, that's the key to learn from. OK, I made all these mistakes, but I, I can still um, use that. I remember I go back and I remember don't make these big promises. Be more realistic about what you can and cannot do. 
Okay, let's shift into marketing and discoverability for the tail end of the interview. You're, you've described one of the things that you do uh, in, in terms of marketing, which is really helping other people, which is sort of a marketing strategy. Another thing that I see you doing, you're a guest on this show, you're a guest on a lot of podcasts, you have your own podcast. Uh, I understand you also have a radio, a local radio show in uh, in Jacksonville. I actually, um, I don't do the, I don't do the radio show anymore. Okay, because it, I used to do down at Flagler Beach, and it was one of those. Again, it was one of those decisions that I said, "Is it worth it for me?" Because it's you know an hour and a half one way drive. Mm-hmm. So is it a three hours of driving and the gas and everything else, and then being there for four or five hours? Is it killing every Friday? It's a day, yeah. And not getting home till like two in the morning and then losing half of Saturday to write over this. And I just, you know, that, that's when the podcast came to be because I said, I can do this from home mm-hmm. for myself and, and get guests that, you know, could call in and, and, uh, and do their things. So that was the, uh, the evolution of me being on the radio. Yeah, it was awesome being on the radio. I loved it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, in today, <laughs> a podcast reaches a lot more people than a than an, even an FM radio station. Right. So that was the, for me, that was, okay, I'm going to do this and I'm going to, you know, do my own podcast. In fact, I'm, um, I can't say who, but I've actually moving my podcast now to a, uh, a bigger network. Uh-huh. And I've also, they've added, they want me to do an, a second weekly show. I'm actually going to do a show, I guess nobody knows this, but I'll announce it here. All right. Uh, <laughs> me and Mark Tufo. Excellent. Are also going to do a show together, and we're going to interview other zombie and post-apocalyptic authors and stuff like that on there. So, and again, it's the, it's, I look at it as just the career progression, you know, just keep slowly moving up that ladder. And trying things. And some things like the radio show work for a while and and then they don't work anymore. Right. So what's yeah. what's been what's been the most effective for you other than just helping to promote other authors? What's been the most effective thing that you've done over the course of the last couple of years? I think um you know like taking the chances with stuff. I I think and uh, and knowing if it's working continue it and if it's not working to be able to to pull back and stop. The uh, Flagger Beach Fiction Series is a perfect example. I'm a, a, a horror author. I'm known for mm-hmm. my zombie stuff. And um, the place, Kokomo's Cafe in Flagger Beach, is where I always sat and wrote every day, Monday through Friday. I just loved the place, and I loved the, the people, and, and I just said, ah, I'll, I'll add some of these into a horror book kind of thing. And then I'm like, you know what? No, let me write this as a fun beach read. I mean, there's conflict and different things, but it's not, not everybody's going to die at the end. And when I wrote the first one, it sold really well, especially locally down there. But it also sold all over the world, which was so. I just said, you know what? I'm going to make this into a series, a seven book series, and it was a good idea. But I knew, you know, that me five years ago would have just kept, you know, kicking a dead horse and going, you know. But mm-hmm. I'm like, you know what? It's working, so I'm going to continue it. But I'm actually finishing up the seventh book this year, and then that will be it. I'm not going to write any more. And I think that's that's important. You know, certain things that I've written, I say, okay, I'm done. I'm not going to force it. Uh, people ask me when is dying days going to end, and I said when I when I run out of ideas for it. When I'm halfway through a book, if I don't have an idea for the next book, then I'm not going to write. I'm not going to write that next book. I'm going to end this book and close it up, and then we're done with it. And I'm not going to look back on it. 
Now, we've mentioned Dying Days several times uh, through the course of this. Is This is your big series, right? The Dying Days series? Yeah, the... Uh, uh the Dying Day series, I think, is about just this series. And again, it's it's the five books and then um, a prequel and four or five other books. I think there's like 12 books in the series and a bunch of short stories in anthologies and all over the place. And it's about uh, 90% of my sales comes from the, the zombie Wow, books. okay. And yeah. what, it, what you say it's a series. So is it... How how is it a series? Does it just follow a, a path? Are there re- returning it, characters? Yeah, characters? it follows. It follows Darlene Bobbage mm-hmm. from the prequel all the way through. That's the main character throughout the Dying Days stories themselves. Okay, um, and then I also do like Dying Days Origins. I have a couple of books in that, and that's other characters set in the same world. Um, Still Dying is a couple of books or short stories with other characters. So there's a lot to the world. There's a lot of characters, and they they. Uh, move in and out of the books, which is which is neat. Somebody will read. There's a series from Karen Coin Press called State of Horror, and each um, book is set in a different state. And I have a Dying Day short story in all of their books so far. Oh, how cool! And I use different characters, but like I used a couple like um, uh, State of Horror North Carolina and State of Horror Illinois. The character that was in both of those books makes an appearance in Dying Days Five. So, like, a lot of fans, which is neat, is they'll pick up, they'll read it, and they'll pick up and go, oh, wait a minute, I remember this character from that mm-hmm. book or from from this and that. So, um, I'd like to think I have a plan with that, but again, it's just like, yeah, hey, let me just use this character here and see what happens if he fits in this story. And then if it winds up on the whiteboard, then you do have a plan. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Armand, what's the best way for people to keep up with all this work they're doing? Uh, I, I know you've got a website, and, and tell us about your podcast as well. Well, uh, ArmandRosamilia.com is the easiest way. I am on all social media way too much. So <laughs> you can find me on Facebook. You can find me on uh, Twitter at, at ArmandAuthor. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Tumblr. I don't even know why. I'm on all different everything. Um, that's Those are, those are the, the main places to find me. You can find me and 34 other zombie authors. If you search uh, Summer of Zombie blog tour on mm-hmm. Facebook, and there will be probably about 100, close to 150 posts in the month um, with different interviews and teasers and guest posts and, on, and all different things like that. And that'll be starting June 1st? Yeah, June 1st. It runs uh, through the whole month. I do it every year, and I do a uh, Winter of Zombie one every November. Okay, and this show is going to drop on June 1st, so uh, if you could email me a link to the first spot where you go live on the tour, I'll drop that in the show notes. Actually, if you go to dyingdayszombie.com, every post is going to be on that that main page this year. Okay, good. You can find all, but I'll also send you the link. Okay. So I will link to all of this in the show notes uh, to make it easy to find. Uh, Armand's last name is a little challenging to spell, <laughs> but uh, it's easy to find in a search engine because if you're even close, like I was just barely close, um, yeah. it, it pops right up. That's what everybody says. If, as, as long as you spell Armand right, A-R-M-A-N-D, <laughs> yep. once, you, once you put an R-O... Yeah, then it, it fills it, the rest in for it you. Fills you in, yeah. <laughs> this has been terrific. I really appreciate oh, you coming great. on yeah, today. Great talking to you. Armand, thanks so much for being here today. That was fun. I've got to tell you, I feel like I'm a pretty well-organized guy, but I learned some things today myself. I keep myself organized with four different Google calendars that 
I don't know. It's, it's crazy. I don't even want to talk about it, but it, it helps to keep me organized. I like the idea a lot of a spreadsheet and a whiteboard, just a couple things that you can look at to see everything that's going on, and that's sort of missing with my calendar approach. So that, that idea makes a lot of sense to me. The other big takeaway for me was the permafree idea, the first book in a series, or in Armand's case, it was actually a prequel, and making it permafree. It's something that, if you're an indie author, you've no doubt heard about before, and it's something that you've considered. But it was kind of fun to hear how quickly Armand began seeing results throughout his entire series based on making that one simple change. So something worth considering if you're in a position to do it. As always, you'll find the show notes for this episode at theauthorbiz.com, and we'll link up everything that we talked about here. If what you hear in this podcast is helping you in any way, I would love it if you could pop into iTunes and give the podcast a rating or a review. You know how important reviews are for your books, and it's exactly the same for podcasts. You can leave a review directly from your iPhone or your iPad or even your computer if you have iTunes installed. If you're not sure how to leave a review, just drop me an email, authorbiz at gmail.com, and I can send you the instructions. I really appreciate it if you take the time and do this. And of course, I appreciate you listening to the AuthorBiz podcast. Have a great week in your author business, and I look forward to chatting with you again next week.